0: could, if you haven't, join in with us this week and do some fasting. Uh, we've been pushing back on some different things, sugars and breads, and this week we're going to get a lot more intense with some things, of course, me and my life. doing this probably a three-day fast this week, and I'd love for you to join us in it, we'll push social media out of the way, some and uh, see what God can do. I hope God can do great things, but I think it's left up to us what to what measure He will do. Amen. Preached and read this scripture many times from uh, a standpoint of teaching and preaching. I'm going to go to it once again today. It's on screen if you don't have it. The Daniel purpose in his heart. That he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Lord, help us to have understanding today. Jesus' name, Amen. Be seated. Thank you for being in church. Amen. Amen. Those who may be joining live stream, thank you for joining. Please like and share this. I think I have something in the world needs to hear, to hear today. So, um, Daniel is, he's one of my favorite people in the Word of the Lord. Uh, maybe it's because my mom named me after him, I don't know. But, seriously, he is one of my favorite characters in the Bible because he was a man of integrity, a man of character. Uh, the verse that I read today, he was a man who had purpose. And we know a lot of people seem like doesn't have A lot of purpose in their life. Just just slow down, do a little digging today, and try to help whoever may hear this or those that's here today. But Daniel, don't know how old he was. Uh, Maybe they do. I just haven't searched it out. When he was actually brought into Babylon, he had been ripped from his uh, sheltered family environment, and all of a sudden he found himself into where he fell into the the chaos and the confusion of the Babylonian uh, people. Most likely, his family was wealthy. Perhaps he even was connected to royalty, according to Daniel 1:6. When you look at the verses talking about King Jehoiakim being part of the eunuchs of that, he he possibly was from a very wealthy family or very connected to the to the king himself. It was, but it seemed now that we found Daniel alone. Except for a handful of his fellow captives. We don't know if they were friends before this or if they became friends in the transition of bringing them captains Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I've always found it interesting that Daniel was given another name, Belshazzar, but, and uh, so was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We go by their Babylonian names. We call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's their Babylonian name, but Daniel, we go by his Hebrew names. It's always been interesting to me. Be honest with you, I couldn't stand here and tell you what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's Hebrew name is, but I know it by the Babylonian name. Daniel's a different story. It's like he did not embrace that name, maybe like they did. And see, the, the Babylonians, they had a plan. They want to brainwash and reprogram all these children of Israel that they brought in captive. And like all the captives, the Babylonians had brought back, they, um, they conquered their lands, they, they wanted to re-educate them. And Daniel, they was trying to re-educate him. And this was designed, they wanted to break any, any mental resistance any and get them to conform to the way of thinking of the Babylonian way. And that Babylonian way was a self-centered worldview. It was a brainwashing program is what they was trying to put them through. And Based on these scriptures, I just read verse 7, but if you, verse 8, but if we backed up and read Daniel 1 through 8, we would see that there was kind of a three-step process that they wanted to, uh, with these people, that they wanted them to no longer think as a Hebrew, but they wanted them to be a Babylonian. That's what their goal was. And we see in these first seven verses, uh, in Daniel chapter 1, that they wanted to crush their spirit. They, they were eunuchs. So, if you don't know what a eunuch was, basically, in short, they took their manhood from them. They castrated them. So, they crushed their spirit, they wanted to distort their affections, and they wanted to alter their identity with a name change. Does that sound familiar to where we are in today? It's exactly what they want to do right now. Uh, The world system, the Antichrist system, system right now that's in place in our world, whether it be in America or just everywhere, we see these same tactics. They're still very much in use today as a system of this governing world that we live in. It tries to fit us into its mold. But then we read verse 8, my text today, which is the opening text of Daniel. uh, Opening text where Daniel said, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. So he requested them that he might not defile himself. He said, look, knowing the consequences, knowing what it could cost him, Brother Hedy, he said, look, I'm not going to eat this king's meat and drink his wine. He purposed in his heart. Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel lived under A dictatorship democracy. But Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel was told to eat the king's meat and to drink the king's wine. But Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel was told to bow down to their idols. But Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel was told at one point that he couldn't even pray to his God for 30 days. He only had to make petitions, only to the king, but not to his God. But Daniel purposed in his heart, and with conviction in his soul, he went to them windows and opened them up towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he prayed anyway. Daniel purposed in his heart that even if it meant being thrown into a den of hungry lions, I will not be brainwashed by your Babylonian ways. He was convinced in his spirit. He was purposed. And and Daniel did this because Daniel had something that I want to talk about today. Daniel had godly convictions. And that today is, it is my subject. It's just simply godly conviction. All right? So, I'm bothered... um, by many of the Christians' response to the current events of our nation. I'm really bothered. I'll let you have some on social media. They may be watching this morning. I hope you are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That America is doomed. It's going to get bad. What in the world are we going to do now? Doesn't matter which side of the political agenda we are on. All these things that I just said may be the case. But it may it may not be the case. America may not be doomed. America, it may not get bad. And, and it that may that may be the case or may not. If I'm guessing, with uh, the direction that's already been taken with less of the week, it's going to get worse. But regardless of who is in charge of this nation's government, the government is still on Jesus' shoulders. According to Isaiah 9 and 6, it doesn't matter who is the president. It doesn't matter who's in Congress. What really matters is who is above them. The government is still on the show. I don't want to live in a socialist or communist country. But if I did, or if we end up there as a nation that does not change the God that I serve, and I refuse to go on social media or talk to other people and face-to-face and just say, look, what in the world are we going to do? What are we going to It's time to pray. Was it not time to pray when President Trump was in office? Was it not time to pray, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago? Was it not time to pray when the uh, previous administration, Obama or one or of the Bushes, was in office? Was it not time to pray then? It's time to pray. I I, I heard a, uh, I'll put a tag out there. If you don't have a podcast, you don't listen to Brother Justin Gleason's podcast, Spirit Signal, you should go listen to it, especially this last week. And he started off and said, basically in this podcast, he said this, he said, uh, uh, he said, you know what? Now all of a sudden, it's time to pray. Just because we had, uh, uh, a president that seemed to be favorable of Christians, We, it wasn't time to pray but now we got one It may look like to go the other way and I'm not, I'm not speaking political I'm just speaking facts here or whatever may be the case uh, uh, now is it not time to pray God gave us a place of mercy now that we found ourselves in this place we think, oh God, what are we going to do listen, Malachi 3 and 6 still says I am the Lord and I change not Hebrews 13 and 8 says Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change, but us as people change. The problem is not the government people that's in. The problem is us. The world has changed, not because of God, but because people have changed their convictions. That's just the bottom line. We as a people have let the Antichrist spirit of the end time we live in crush our spirit, distort our affections, and alter our identity of who we really are. The same thing that happened to the uh, the children of Israel when Babylon came in and and captured Daniel of them is the same thing that's going on right now. That same antichrist, this is before Christ was even born, because it's the same spirit from the beginning. It's the devil trying to crush our spirit, distort our affections, and alter our identity of who we really are. And if we're not careful, it will happen to us too, and it has happened to a lot of people. How do I know that? Too many empty seats here today. A lot more comfortable sit sitting at home watching on, on uh, Facebook, or not watching at all, or just not go. We have a lack of godly convictions in the hour that we're living in. And what scares me, Brother David, is we're going to have to get some godly convictions or we're not going to get out of this. Thing. Not saved. Matthew 20, 20, 24, 24, Jesus said, There shall arise false Christs and false prophets uh, and shall show great signs and wonders so much that if it were possible they would deceive the very elect. But then he went on to say, "But He that endureth To the end, the same shall be saved. So I want to help us navigate through this end time that we're living in. And I believe with all my heart, we are in the end time. You folks that's out here with me, you are just like I am. The fact that we're getting older and time goes so fast. I look back and think, how in the world did I get to fifty? It went so fast. Boss said one day this week he was talking about time and how you know we're already almost end of January. This last week of January, he said uh, he was told. He said he was told it like this. He said that the um, the months get short, the days are are long, but the months are short. One person said it this way: the closer you get to the end of life, the faster it gets. It's kind like of like rolling toilet paper closer you get to the end of it, the faster it goes. So time is going fast. So, even if it's 10 years till Jesus comes, honestly, if it's 20, what is that? Amen. I want to help us today. I want to help us to return to something that we need in this crazy time that we're living in. It's called Godly Convictions. I want to do that with this amazing man, Daniel. He is a man of Great, in great purpose, and his great purpose comes from his great conviction. What is a conviction? A conviction is a firmly held belief that an individual is certain about. It is something you're so certain about. It is a con- something in your heart that nobody is going to change you. And I will be honest with you, I believe this is why we have so many people in the church they have a hard time keeping their head above water spiritually. People are not convinced that this living for God thing is the most important thing in this life we live. That's why there's those empty seats across our nation and churches. That's why um, I'll get into it a little bit more in a minute, but that's why when we have we first come out of the pandemic, the church filled up. Everybody's, oh, God, fix it come back. But now that we've relaxed back into it, it's like, oh, I'm okay. I don't have to worry about it. Why is that? It's because it's a lack of conviction. People are just not convinced that this living for God is the most important thing in this life that we live. People are governed more by their feelings and not by the word of God. And that's where conviction really comes from. According to Holman Bible Dictionary, conviction is a sense of guilt and shame that leads us to repentance. The words "convict" and "conviction" do not actually appear in the King James Version. The word "convince" is the closest that we can find in uh, the King James Version. The "Express" is an expression of the meaning of conviction. It means convince. So, if we say, "I have a conviction," We are saying that we're convinced about something. That's what conviction is. I'm convinced about something. Daniel's thinking, his decisions, and his behaviors were governed by his convictions about who he believed God was. And that's what you and I have to do the same thing. A.W. Tozer, a, a uh, great writer, minister of days gone by, in the book, Uh, the knowledge of the holy. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think about that. What comes in our mind? When somebody says you know, what do you think about God? What comes to your mind? That's the most important thing about us. Josh McDowell said, having convictions can be defined as being so thoroughly convinced that Christ and his word are both objectively and true and rationally meaningful that you act on your beliefs regardless of the consequences. That is what true conviction is. That statement was Daniel. I mentioned already it didn't matter if the king said uh, look you can't pray to any other gods. I'm going to pray anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am convinced that Daniel they, they requested not to eat the king's meat or the king's wine, I am convinced that if they didn't give him what he had requested, he would eat nothing. I'm convinced Daniel had that much conviction in his spirit. Martin Lord Jones said, what gives us conviction of sin is not the number of sins we've committed, it is the sight of the holiness of God. Seeing God and who he is and his holiness is what really should bring us conviction in our life. Daniel was a man of conviction. Everybody said choices. 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 If you're watching, type it on, on your news comment or your, your uh, comment there. Type in choices. Daniel first at we see his was that he made a choice. We see in the verse that uh, I'll open with today that I've got back on the screen here that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat or with the wine which he drank. He purposed. He purposed in his heart, "I am not." He had a conviction. The reason behind Daniel's decision—it's unclear. We don't. We don't know. But we have to assume that he was educated in the things of God and he was dedicated to the things of God. We see that obviously, brother. Ed. But what we know for sure, what we know for sure to be clear is that Daniel made a conscious decision, a choice, that I will honor God regardless of what it's going to cost me. We don't see that in this ire that we live in. We have become a soft generation. We've become a soft generation of Christian people when it comes to God. We are so easily persuaded to stay home from church. I'm going to tell you, if, if anything, if this pandemic has done anything, it has really attacked the conviction of people going to the house of God. Amen. But I, I know growing up, I mean, unless I was running high fever, let's call you going to the house of God. A lot of times if you had a high fever, we're we going to go. You're going to go to that altar. We're going to pray for you. I know that fear agenda is coming here, and I know we got the balance up. I'm not telling us to do that. If you think you got COVID or you may have COVID, stay home. But don't just stay home, go to the stinking doctor and get tested so you can go on with your life. Oh, you, don't, you don't cost nothing to go get tested. Go get tested. All right. But if you do stay home, for goodness sake, what's the live be? If your church ain't have a life, even watch somebody else's. Get a conviction in your spirit that says, "You know what? If I can't go to the house of God, I'm going to catch a rebroadcast. I'm going to I'm going to do something." But we got people in nowadays that that conviction of the importance of the house of God has left us. We we find it so easy not to pray every day. Yeah, them old timers, it's we, we They would pray through, is what they call it. We just pray our little blessing prayers and we go on about this. No, they pray through. They make sure every day, I'm going to pray through. Pray, what does that mean? I'm praying through the junk in my mind. I'm praying through the garbage I'm dealing with. I'm praying through this stuff to where I can get a breakthrough. I'm going to make it through the day. It's a conviction. But now, then, we first thing we do. We get up and we check our phones. We check our, our notifications. We check the news broadcast. We check the weather. The, the old timers, when they woke up, the first thing they done was check their spirit with God. It's conviction down deep inside of them. And we'll lose that, Brother Eddie. It's so easy to waver away from the things of God and be such a, a wavering. It's so easy to, uh, to, to pick up. The phone and, and, and or the newspaper or something else, and not read our Bible. I wish that God somebody would get a conviction, a godly conviction, in their heart that says, "I'm going to read my Bible. I don't care if I'm I'm about to die, and I can't I can't make it." You back when we ended up casting sunnies, I, I broke the finger out on Sunday night. And, and uh I was kind of worried, so I didn't really think I had the, the virus, but we didn't take no chances. We went in and called service off and went to the doctor that day. I was so sick, I ran 103 fever for like 48 hours straight, nothing would get it down. But brother Henny, uh, uh finally at one point before Sunday was over, I've got to read my Bible. I could not cannot remember the last time I did not read my Bible. Why? Wow. There's something on the inside of me that says, I've got to pick my Bible up. To read it. We find it so easy to, to, to follow the trends of the world. Because of lack of public conviction. It's so easy to, uh, well, everybody else is doing it, so I'm going to do it. I'll, I'll get into some of that here in a second. But it, 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 it seems like it's so easy for us to do that stuff. Jesus said, those that endure to the end. They shall be saved. We, we, we've got to get that in us. It's going to take some endurance to be saved. It's going to take some endurance. And endurance, let me say this. Jesus said, you got to endure to the end. Endurance is fueled by godly convictions. That's what fuels endurance, okay? If we don't hear nothing today, hear this. That's what fuels endurance, okay? Godly conviction. Let me say that not every decision that we make has an obvious right choice, okay? That's just the truth of the matter, especially right now dealing with with this thing. We We don't want to be stupid when it comes to this virus, but we also don't want to uh, we're not operating in faith and trusting God. Amen. understand that. But we never every decision is not the obvious right. We, we, it's not an obvious right choice. But what is obvious is that, that every decision must be made with a view that pleases God and not myself. This is where godly conviction comes in. This this demonstrates living. According to a God-centered view and not a world-centered view. This is where the difference is that we're running into right now. We have people that, that does not have godly convictions. They just have worldly convictions. And they're so, so vastly different. And our convictions about him, Jesus, it must be derived from his word, from God's word, from this book. It has to be from this book. And it cannot be from our imaginations or what we think. It has to be. We must frame every action that we take. We must frame every choice that we make. We must, every thought that we have must be framed into a God-centered view. And no matter what trial, no matter what adversity that we face, Jesus must, Jesus must always, always, always come first. Always come first. No matter what decision I'm making, from what I get up and put on in the morning and walk out the door, would this be pleasing to God? To my response to a, a text message, to my response to a Facebook post or a post that I may make on Facebook, or my response to my boss cussing me out. Everything must be framed in the the uh, uh, response of how God views that. Always, I'm going to break this down and bring us to an understanding of these godly convictions. I probably will probably will continue talking about this some next week. But Second Corinthians seven nine through ten talks about this. It's uh, Paul talking to the Corinthian churches and said, now I rejoice not that you were made sorry. Sorry. Let me do try that again. Rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us and nothing. Listen to verse 10. This is what godly conviction is all about. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. There is a huge difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow is where real godly convictions come from. Godly sorrow is based on, again, the word of God. Not my opinions, not the world's opinion, but what this book says Now I Will be the first To tell you today that I know there are some things in this book That's not always easy to understand It was written so long ago That some things is different language different vernacular different ways and some words mean different things that we have now but there's some things in here that at face value That will govern our lives. And help us have godly convictions. When it says thou shalt not steal. you can't get no pipe. Then you don't steal. If it says thou shalt not commit adultery. It really is not no variance with that. Okay. That's pretty plain. That means if you're married. You don't have sexual relations with anybody else. That's just plain. Okay. Matter of fact, he says, well, you remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Now, people are argue, well, this is not the Sabbath. Okay, I understand that. But the bottom line of the Sabbath day was a day of rest, a day to relax, a day to bring your mind back into focus. And I'm going to tell you what, Sunday's the best day for it. So, we just look at the top ten, okay? Godly sorrow is based on the word of God. and Just in face of that. God, godly sorrow would tell you not. Here's the thing about Godly sorrow it will not only tell us why you should not do something, but if you mess up, it will also show you how to fix what you have messed up. And here's the thing. Worldly sorrow does not bring... Here's, godly sorrow brings conviction to our life. Godly sorrow says, okay, if you do that, you're sinning against God. You're going against His Word. If you do that, there, there's an eternal consequence. That's what God is for. It, it brings you to the fact of what is the basis of the word of God? The basis of the word of God from Genesis to Revelation is to bring mankind back in true relationship with God and give him an eternal hope of being able to be saved in eternity, not on this earth. And worldly sorrow does not bring conviction. It brings something that's totally different. It brings condemnation to It will guilt you and make you feel bad. It will make you feel like you can never get right or be right and never ever are you going to get right. But godly sorrow, godly conviction will tell you no matter what happens, God still loves you. Worldly sorrow, worldly convictions does not give you hope. Godly sorrow, godly conviction gives you Hope. It it gives you hope that is not rooted in this world, and this is why a lot of people don't have godly convictions and they're always dealing with condemnation of life is because their hope is only in this world because they have a world view, they have a world uh, a, a world conviction that 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 that's the only thing is that your only hope is in this world and nothing else. The godly godly, uh, uh, system is is rooted totally different. It's not rooted in this world. It's rooted for eternity. That is why so many do not have godly convictions. Their convictions are worldly convictions. Their convictions are rooted to this world and the things of this world. This world gives you no hope. So it doesn't matter if you do it or not. It's that? That's why we have a lot of people say, well, i got a conviction to go to church, but they don't come. No, you don't. You've got a worldly conviction. Because a worldly conviction says, oh, it doesn't matter if you go to church or not. You don't have to go to church. Worldly, uh, the, the worldly conviction says, well, you don't have to pray every day after all. God loves you no matter what. He does love you. He is your Savior. He is giving us grace and mercy, but that same God is also going to be our judge one of these days. When this world that has no hope is over, time as we know it is not here no more, then we're going to face that same God that is our, now our judge, that's not going to base us on this worldly uh, worldly conviction, but we're going to be base, really judged based on these godly convictions. And when we have a godly conviction, it doesn't matter what will happen to you in this world because you're not living for this world, you're living for heaven. And this is what the Antichrist spirit that's out there right now is attacking that mindset of Christianity where it's trying its best to uh to Strip us down and, and 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 change our affections right now. I mean, already this week we've had we've had we've had some things in the United States that's been broken. Where all of a sudden now that the transgender can can go uh, go back into the bathrooms or whatever, you know, and, and we're breaking down that we're is messing with the affections and and all this stuff. And I know I'll get put in jail one of these days for this, and that's okay. I'll go to jail for it. If Daniel can go to the lion's in for, for what he believed, this Daniel, praise the Lord, I don't care to go to jail for preaching the word of God and having a godly conviction that said, thus it, the word of God. Because if I don't stand up and do it for the enemy, who is, to make us understanding that this is why when Potiphar we remember Joseph. When Joseph, his his uh, ten brothers cast him in the pit because uh, they didn't like Joseph. He was a favor of the dead. They cast him in the pit and then they sold him to the Ishmaelites and the Ishmaelites sold him to Potiphar for Egypt and, and all of a sudden because of who Joseph was, he was a man of conviction. He was a man of integrity. He was a man that his word was true, and he, he trusted God no matter what. And because of that, he rose in the ranks of Potiphar's house when all of a sudden he had access to the house. But evidently, Joseph was also a fine looking man. Because Potiphar's wife, she was so honored he doesn't give it her name. Potiphar's wife tried her best to coax Joseph to sleep with him. But well, what? I talked about adultery just a second ago. Joseph's like, I'm not married, but that's your husband. I'm not going to be with him. Everything in this house, he's giving me access to, but you, because you're his, not mine. And she constantly tried her best. But we see in Genesis 33 and 9, his response to her. He said, how then can I do this great wickedness, and notice what he says, and sin against God? Notice, he did not say sin against my master Potiphar. He said sin against God. He had a godly conviction, not a worldly conviction, of just getting caught doing a bad thing. He wasn't worried about just getting caught doing a bad thing and maybe being killed or cast into prison like he ended up because you lied on him. He wasn't worried about that. He said, how can I sin against my God? He didn't say sin against my, my master, Potiphar. He said sin against my God. Why? He had a godly conviction that he knew that that's wrong, not based on the fact of a worldly uh, 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 system that he's your uh, you're married to Potiphar, but the fact that I'm a servant of God, and that would be adultery. No, I'm not going to do that. He was controlled by a higher conviction than what this world can do. And if you and, I are, are, you and I are to navigate through these perilous times that we live in and that I can about guarantee you it's going to get worse, okay? America, we're spoiled. We're spoiled. We've enjoyed a few years of some religious freedoms that we've not had in a while. I fear that that will be attacked. Does that mean America's over? The revival of America's over? The church is over? No. If anything, that could mean that it could explode and get greater. Because when Egypt afflicted the children of Israel, they got bigger. They got stronger. Because for some reason, us as humans, we live for God better when we're in bad times versus good times. For some reason. But we better get our nose into the word of God. Get ourselves rooted in the church. Get ourselves under submission to the authority of God's leaders and develop some godly convictions in our life. Let me say this. It's very uncommon, seem like anymore, for people to say, I have a conviction against that. Okay? Now I'm not trying to cross swords with anybody. I'm just trying to make example. All right? It's unusual nowadays to just see somebody say, "Oh, I have a, I have a conviction," and I'm, I'm not. Don't understand me, okay? I'm not preaching against certain things. I'm just talking here, right? I, I don't, I don't have a television in my home. Somebody said I don't have a television in my home. I just, I, I don't want to make sure that I don't want to have nothing there, okay? It's unusual for somebody to say, well, I, I'm not going to go to a restaurant that has a bar in it because I don't even want to take a chance of taking a drink. It's, it's, it's really unusual nowadays for somebody just say, I've got a conviction that I'm not going to wear that. But that's not no big, but I, don't, I just want to make sure I don't take a chance. Convictions are a thing of that. We need to get back to the fact that people's had some convictions that God just puts a little extra in their own us and says, "Look at here, just to be." I I got, I got somebody I know that I'm not preaching this for doctrine. Okay, understand. I'm just talking about some people. When you get something inside of you that you just want to make sure I'm okay. I got, I got a friend that I know was that was brought out of. uh, He was an alcoholic before he came to church, so he will not go to a restaurant that has a bar in it, even though he would never sit at the bar. He would sit down in another area. He won't go to that restaurant because he wants to make sure. I don't want to go in there and even get a smell of that alcohol that it may draw me in, that I might even be tempted to take of that alcohol. All right? I know people that have been delivered from uh, por- the, the addiction of pornography, Brother David, that won't even have on their phone uh, like a safari, a search engine, because they're, they're, they are they're just want to make sure that I'm not going to search any pornography that that will come back into my life. So they've taken safari off their phone or any capability of being able to even look at uh, certain things and be able to search to find pornographic pictures. What are you talking about? I'm talking about something that gets so deeply rooted inside of you that you want to make sure that I'm not going to sin against God. This is what I'm talking about. Hebrews 13 and 18. Listen to this. uh, As uh, the writer of Hebrews was closing out the book of Hebrews, in uh, chapter 13, verse 8, he said, Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. A good conscience. What he said? I want to have a good conscience about something. I want to make sure that I have a godly conviction in my life that makes sure that when I when I'm done doing whatever I'm doing through the day, that I can have a good conscience that okay, my godly conviction kept me from sinning against God. Here's the thing that scares me to death right now, and it's beyond church attendance. It's beyond it. It's the fact that people can do what they do. That is, I absolutely sin against the word of God. That that's not things that that's uh, 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 brother David. That's we could even like, okay, well, how do you frame that? Because there's a lot of things in the word of God that I believe you can build principles that says something is wrong. There's a lot of things that build principles. You know, for say, uh, back during this time, there there was not uh, X-rated movies. Okay, they didn't have a television, but there's enough there's enough principles. In the word of God that says, Look, there's certain things you don't need to watch, there's certain things you don't need to listen to. The Bible doesn't say there, thus God, you shall not uh, watch this or listen to this, but he gives us principles. Okay, but there are things that I said earlier that's just clear cut, thou shall not steal, it shall not lie, you shall not commit. you're talking about the top 10, the the, the uh, uh, ten commandments, that's just plain and simple. That people today break those commandments. And still say, I am a child of God. That's not a godly conviction. Yeah. There can't be a godly conviction. All right. I'm going to tell you another story. I'm going to do this. I'll, I'll be closing. I'll close this today. I know this is a little hard. But we need it. We need it. Jeremiah is a different kind of prophet. He's different. If you read through the book of Jeremiah, a lot of strange things that Jeremiah was asked to do. Lord asked him one time to go get a garment, go stuff it in a hole, and let it rot. And after it rotted, he said, This is what Israel's gonna be like. This is a strange one, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 35. He told, he told Jeremiah, Won't you go down to the Rechabites? Go to the Rechabites. I want you to I want you to bring them to the house of God and And uh, I want you to give them wine to drink. So he gathered them all together. He brought them to the house of God, brought them to the place, got a place. He got a meal all ready, prepared for these Rechabites, brought them in there. And and the Bible says in in, uh, Jeremiah chapter 35 and verse 5, he said, I set before the sons of the house of Rechabites a pot full of wine and cups. And I said to them, drink ye wine. Verse 6 is this amazing scripture that we can learn a lot from. You see the Rechabites as they, they looked across that table. Maybe they had brought in whatever other stuff they was going to eat. And, and they was enjoying their meal. But all of a sudden they brought out the wine. And Jeremiah sets it out or whoever he had sets it out. And now he says, drink the wine. Verse 6 is an amazing verse. The Rechabites said this. They said, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall not drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons, forever. They refused to drink the wine, even though it was set before. them. It is a strange story. You wonder, did Jeremiah know this? I, I would guess he probably maybe did. And the Lord done this on purpose to make a point to Israel, saying, look, we brought them in there and said, want you to drink the wine? And they say, no. But the children of Israel were doing things that they knew that their father said not to do. At face value, this seemed to be a very weird story, but God was trying to send a message to Jeremiah the prophet by using the convictions of the Rechabites to tell them, Israel, you've forgotten your convictions. You need to be like the Rechabites. And you need to have a conviction in your spirit that says there's just some things I won't do. And we can't be drunk on this world's wine. We need to remember the Rechabites, how they cleave to their father's convictions and get convictions, some godly convictions in our lives. But David, this is my fear. I'm going to be honest with you. The book of Revelation is such a mystery to me. I've read through it. Multiple times, I've read through the Bible 20 times and I've read the Revelation more than that. One time, I read it, and they go, Okay, the Lord's going to come back at the end of tribulation. I can read one time and they go, Oh, you're going to come back before the tribulation, or you going to come back somewhere in the middle of it. Regardless, He's coming back. Amen. If I have a vote, I'm going to say, Lord, come back before the tribulation. If that's the case, that means it could be any moment. There's nothing else needs to be. Full. The only thing that needs to be fulfilled for Jesus to come back according to the pre-tribulation uh, thinking, is the only thing left is for Jesus to come back. That's just all it is to If I have a vote, that's my vote. Come, Lord, now. I'm not going to tell you that I know which. All I know is there's some smarter men than I that say that's the way it's going to be. I don't know. And there's some smarter men that I know that says it's going to be the other way. All I know is we better be ready. But what I do know is this. The closer it gets, the harder it's going to get for somebody. That's been proved in my 15 years of pastoring. It's a lot harder to get people to church now than it was yeah. 10 years ago. Used to, you, could, you could you could preach hellfire brimstone messages about hell and people would run to the altar. Literally had people tell me, don't you talk about the end time, I'm going to go out the door. It's not the right response. We should be running to an altar. But the truth of the matter is, the farther we get, we're going to have to get some godly convictions because they're going to test us. Jesus said, Don't take no thought when they bring you up before the council. What you're going to say, because the Holy Ghost is going to tell you what to say. I'm going to tell you what if you don't have that Holy Ghost living in you, you don't have that Word of God inside of you, you're going to worry about what you're going to say. You're going to fold. Oh, I'll take the mark. We're all denied Jesus are. How do you know that bro? All right now. I'm not trying to be controversial with anything, but look how easy people folded in 2020. And still now. Listen, I'm gonna do what it takes for us to have church from now on. We're gonna make sure we wear a mask the whole entire time, and we make sure everybody's spaced out. We're gonna have ten services in one day to make sure that everybody can have the house, be in the house. God, we're gonna have church. <laughs> and to be honest, we probably need to be a little more particular with some things. That's the side of the point at this moment. I'm just saying we have got to do something because here's the thing. Here, some of these old there's a there's a there's a book called The Fox Book of Martyrs. I haven't read it, and I've read excerpts from it, and I've heard people preach from it. But Brother you imagine being strapped to a pole with a fire, a bunch of wood under you ready to say, now you deny God. You deny Him, or we're going to set you on fire. If you don't got some godly convictions, you know what you're going to do? You're going to say, okay, I deny. Well, there's some men and women that didn't. It was, I I want to think it was William Pinsdale that was burned at the stake for for uh translating this word of God into our English version of where we can read it now. We take it so for granted this word of God, but that man was burnt at the stake for translating it into English to where we can read it. That's a godly conviction that this word matters. We gotta get something on the inside of us that is so deep-rooted, that it gotta come from the word of God. It's a godly conviction that we're like Daniel, I'm on purpose. It doesn't matter what you say, what you do. No, no, I will not. My last verse is this. It's Acts 24 and 16. Herein, here, and herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscious void of offense towards God and toward men. Notice the progression here of that verse. Toward God, then toward men. But so many in this hour, we have that backwards. And that is why there is such a lack of godly convictions in our present day. We instead have framed the principle of this word, this this scripture, I've just read in Acts 24 to this way. They have a conscious devoid offense towards men and towards God. We are more concerned about offending a man than we are God. And if we are more concerned about offending a man, or a woman, mankind, than we are God, then we lack godly convictions. I hope to God that beautiful lady down there never stops coming to church. But if she does, there has to be something inside of me that says, honey, if you're not going to church, you're not going to live for God, I'm still going to. Even if that means you leave me, I'm going to be a child of God. Has to be something on the inside of me that if they if it ever does come to the time, God, I hope it don't. They pour a gun at one of my beautiful uh, family members, even one of you, and say, if you don't, if you don't deny God, I'm gonna blow their brains out. Got to be something in me that says, I love you, but I love him more. There's got to be a godly conviction on the inside of us. Lord Jesus, help us get some godly convictions that are rooted in word of God. Amen. I'm done. Lord Jesus, help us today. God, help us get some conviction in our spirit that says, oh God, no matter what happens, I will serve you. I will live for you, God. I will serve you, God, no matter what. God, the conviction that says, I'm going to go to the house of God, I'm going to pray, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to love my brothers and my sisters. I'm going to treat people right. Oh, God, help me. God, I'm going to separate myself from sin. I'm going to get a godly conviction that says, oh, God, I'm going to live for you. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, God. Lord, you're wonderful. Oh, come on. Let's just love you. I'm, I'm done today. If you need to take a break, go ahead. If you need to come to this altar, pray something. That's fine. When I'm challenging us to get a godly conviction. Take a break. We'll get the rest of our service going here shortly. Love you, guys. Thank